Family. It looks a little different for everyone. For some, it's mom and dad. For others, roommates who feel like family. And for others, it's your significant other, their golfing buddies, your children, a high school soccer team starting lineup, and oh look, they're all taking you up on the offer to stay for dinner. Really testing the limits of that phrase, the more the merrier. But no matter where you call home, GEICO makes it easy to bundle and save on home and car insurance. Easier than making three frozen pizzas and assorted frozen veggies into a cohesive meal. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered cold-filtered, and cold-packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required. GEICO gets you access to licensed agents 24-7, which means that GEICO is always there for you. If only everyone was always there for you. Like your mom, when you fill out really, really important paperwork on the first day of a new job. Name, check, birthday, social security, is that a thing? Hey, mom, what is my social security number? Mom, mom, mom. Okay, let's guess. Uh, zero, zero, one, seven. Oh, Gemini. Hashtag. Done. Geico. Always there for you with savings and 24-7 access to licensed agents. This is the Cubs-related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. And we are coming to you on a grim Sunday, I think is a way of putting that mildly, as a series that the Cubs needed to win, dare I say, at least three of four minimum. Uh, They won zero as the St. Louis Cardinals come in and pretty firmly plant the flag for the NL Central as they win all four baseball games played at Wrigley Field on this particular weekend, and they win all of them by a single run. Brendan, I am not sure that you could have drawn up a worse series for the Cubs to play uh, and a more gut-wrenching way for it to play out for all of us to witness. So, we're just going to let this one go. Uh, I, As I said, I think on one of the last episodes, if you guys are even listening to this, we really appreciate it because I can't imagine that any of us need any more content related to this 2019 Cubs team, but we are all in this together. So we're going to try to provide a little bit of catharsis, I suppose, on this Monday morning. Now, If you're waiting for the explicit episode, like we've said before, it is not today. They are not officially dead and buried, and as, trust me, I'm not suggesting that I think they're going to sneak into the playoffs, but we... We set that rule for a reason. We we don't want to be doing that um, while they are technically not eliminated, and especially on this particular weekend. Uh, just a lot of guys maybe playing their last games at Wrigley Field, Gary Pressey performing at Wrigley Field perhaps for the last time, and Chris Bryant leaving injured, Rizzo and Javi playing hurt. It just doesn't feel like the time to be ripping this team to shreds. As I said, when we tease the explicit podcast, the whole point of that is to basically do an autopsy on the dead body, right? And that just doesn't feel like it's today. So if that disappoints, I apologize. But trust me, when we do it, it will be good. It will be probably (laughs) pretty long. Uh, I assume it'll be the longest episode in Cubs-related podcast history. And it, it, it will happen in probably a week or so, something like that. We'll uh, but, you know, it, it, this just doesn't feel like the time. I've, I've talked to a lot of people. I know Brendan and I are both just kind of sad. Uh, it's just kind of a melancholy afternoon at Wrigley Field. And uh, 
So we'll keep you posted on that. But anyway, Brendan, I, I will bring you in here, and there, there's really not much else to say. This isn't the uh, final nail in the coffin, uh, technically. It is for the division, but it, it certainly feels like the coffin is about as safely closed as it can be, and we are staring at a scenario, Brendan, that we kind of worried about a month ago or even longer where the Chicago Cubs are not going to make the playoffs and that is pretty much likely what is going to happen here and I we've talked about how possible it was but as I sit here talking to all of you I I still cannot believe that that is the reality we are facing down worst case scenario Corey. I mean this this was it not only do you get swept against the Cardinals you do so by losing each one of those games by one freaking run. Most of them coming in the late innings, in the ninth inning, in extra innings. That's insane. I mean, this is quite literally the nightmare hellish scenario that we hopefully would have never had to expose ourselves to. But here here we are. I mean, Chris Bryant goes down, busting it down the first baseline slips on first base of course on that right leg that has his injured knee now he hurts his ankle sprained ankle similar to what happened with Anthony Russo with his sprained ankle these guys are playing their absolute butts off full throttle Javi batting with a broken thumb that he suffered three weeks ago Rizzo playing after he sprained his ankle a week ago Corey Brian continuing to play through was clearly a bum knee that he's had cortisone shots on. This team has, like, they have the heart and they're trying so hard. And I get some people don't want to hear that, but it just sucks. It sucks to be in this situation. And we can diagnose the teams, all the problems. There's dozens of problems with this team. Dating with the front office, with the personnel, with Madden, with the coaches. Like, we could spend three hours and, like you said, we probably will during oh, the offseason talking about it. We will. But... I'm, I'm like legitimately sad and depressed about this. And like all of these feelings, like we'll, we'll move on eventually. We'll talk about off-season plans. February will roll around. We'll be excited about this team once again. And for me, what gives me the most relief from this feeling is that in 2020, this team will compete. This will be a competitive team in 2020. Likely in 2021 as well. They have too much talent to not be at least competitive. Whether you define a competitive team as an 85-win team is up to you. But even this year, they were competitive with all these deficiencies. Next season, they'll be competitive as well. So at the very least, you can put to the bank that this team going into spring training will be a World Series contender. Because when you compete, when you have a chance at the playoffs, you're a World Series contender. But Corey, it sucks. I mean, you're there in person. You witness probably the worst possible series in your lifetime. Honestly, this might be the worst in your lifetime. What what the hell was that like? It was a lot of fun, Brendan. Um, <laughs> no, it it you know it's it's been a strange vibe. I think for. A little while, at least at Wrigley, and especially comparing it to past years, I mean, obviously just markedly not as fun, right? Like showing up to the ballpark, I've been able to do it, I think, for parts of every season except for 2017. So like 2015 and 2016 obviously were just so much fun. You just showed up to the ballpark every night knowing that team was really good. They were excelling at the little things. They they played really good defense. They ran the bases well. Good pitching, good hitting. You just knew that you were watching a really good team, a well-oiled machine that was going to give you a a high-class effort on a nightly basis, and the the wins were coming with it, and it was just a fun ride. And 2018 was a weird one. It was kind of like that, but you know, you were kind of like nervous about how they were getting there and what the Brewers were doing, and this year has just felt, I, I think, so much different and and so difficult i guess is the way to describe it 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 just feels like every night since i've been here at least which is you know the last couple months like 
every night has felt like a must-win game. Every loss has felt like an yeah. indictment of what was wrong in the offseason or what was wrong with the team as it standed now. Yeah. And I almost felt like that's been the case the entire year, though. I mean, starting the season yeah, off 2-7, and 1-6, yeah. like, we were having similar feelings and similar thoughts. And that feeling from losing game 163 last year has persisted right so this has been like a year-long thing so it's from from my perspective i only went to a few cubs games this year but from my perspective each loss this season felt so heavy Mm -hmm. like way heavier than in years past and why that is honestly i'm not sure i think the whole urgent tone and all of that that's been pounded into our minds amplified each one of those losses but it was weird from the start of this season like Every loss felt so much heavier than at any other point in any previous season. Yeah, and like this weekend too, it was something that, you know, we know is true of the Wrigley fans and Cubs fans in general that no matter the situation, like they were there, they were on their feet, they were trying to will this team as much as they could and remind them even in the worst moments, like we are here for you, like we are trying to support you guys to bring this home and it just uh, didn't work and it was a tough, I mean it's a tough weekend, I mean I don't even know how you describe that, I mean losing all four of these games by one run And in every single one of them, either having that late lead or an opportunity late in the game or, you know, blowing the opportunity when you came back late in the game, whatever it was, like all these games were winnable. All these games were right there. You had the opportunity in all of them and you you can't convert on any of them. And it really just felt like a microcosm of the 2019 season as a whole. They were competitive. They were in it. They showed heart. They got good performances from certain guys on on an individual day, and it just wasn't good enough. They just couldn't close the door. On Thursday, they have that, you know, amazing ninth inning comeback. You're, You're feeling like, okay, if they drop this one, forget it. Like, the whole thing's over. That whole deal, they have that you know, amazing comeback in the ninth inning only for Kimbrell to give up the home run in the 10th to lose that one. Sunday, they go down two to one. And, you know, in that whole game, they, they have nine hits to the Cardinals four, but they lose two to one, right? And so you're just feeling the whole game. They, they have that opportunity to tie it up or to take the lead, and it just doesn't happen. On Saturday, so many comebacks in that game. Tony Kemp with a, a huge moment, uh, just an amazing moment for for Tony Kemp on Saturday, ruined immediately in two pitches by Craig Kimbrell again. So that signing worked out, uh, by the way, but we'll talk about that. Um, you know, so another one run loss. And then on Sunday, you have that late lead again. You're winning for a, a lot a large portion of that game and you can't hold it down in the ninth and you feel bad for you Darvish that he wasn't able to get the W there and wasn't able to finish that one out um and another one run loss and so it it just it did feel a bit like a microcosm of this whole season where uh, a couple things done differently a couple decisions made differently a couple of big plays from your big guys and you feel like you you could have won all four of these games and it just doesn't play out that way. And I, I think that when we look back at the 2019 season, I think that's going to be something that feels pretty emblematic of what happened throughout this entire year. I mean, I, I, I think all of us, if, if I gave you a piece of paper and a pencil and said, write down as many games as you can remember where the Cubs easily could have won the game and probably by their own doing didn't win the game right? And it's, I'm sure we could all rile off 10, 20, 30, maybe, right? You know what sucks is that there's been so many, Corey. You might forget that, them. Like, I forget yeah. them. I'm not that, even that, saying that. That's in, the other way humor. of looking at it. But I, I, I feel like we'd all be able to jot down a quick few and the list would be pretty long if you combined it all together. And I, I, again, kind of like you, I'm not, I'm not really sure what explains that or what the the answer is for that because like you know we've seen teams do this before I think it was the Rangers maybe a few years ago uh correct me if I'm wrong but I I think they had a year where they were like unbelievable in one run games and everybody kind of knew 
that they might not be that good because they only seem to win one-run games and and just didn't play well in the rest of them. But it's all just to say, like, sometimes that happens. Like, sometimes your record and and your season can come down to what happens in those close one-run tight games. And for whatever reason, it just, it, it feels like the Cubs can't get that big hit. They can't hold that one lead. And, and whatever happens the one day doesn't happen the next day. And it gets you to where we are. And, and where we are is that they're not going to make the playoffs. And, you know, the Brewers are on another one of their, you know, unfathomable win streaks here. I think they're 15-3 and three in their last 18 games. And Christian Yelich isn't even playing. And they're just not going to lose again. And so that's just the that's just the reality of the situation. And I, you know, it's like it's it's one of those things you try to make sense of, but it's it's kind of like uh, like watching a high speed car crash as it's happening. It, it's almost happening too quickly to process. Because uh, I have definitely been on here even as recently as a couple weeks ago. Just like I I can't believe we're even entertaining the notion that they might not make the playoffs. And you better be entertaining it now, right? Like, because that's just it's over. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what we're staring at. So, I mean, like, I almost feel like you're hint, like you're not hinting, but even the possibility of them making the playoffs. Uh, trust me, I'm of, not hanging on to it. I just don't like to be I'm just on make, record. I'm just making sure. Yeah, I I don't like to be on record as claiming certain things are definitive if they're not, because that can always come back and bite you. But no, trust me, I'm very much assuming that this is done, but. I think, Brendan, the the saddest thing or, or the worst thing about this is is something you already mentioned, that this ends up being the last series and likely the last home game for a lot of these guys, some of which we don't know, right? Like, I don't know who might get traded or who, you know, how that all is going to play out. So some of it, we're not sure that it was their last game. We're going to find that out over the next couple months. But likely Ben Zobrist's, possibly Joe Madden's, definitely Gary Pressey's, possibly Pedro Strope's, possibly Nick Castellanos. Like these are just guys that definitely have a, a contract situation up in the air or have already stated that they're retiring. And I, I realize that most of those are baseball players. One of them is the organ player, but <laughs> of of equal importance, I think, to the Wrigley Field experience. Oh, no and doubt. No doubt. it was just a shame that, that we weren't really able to get those moments. Like we, we didn't get a, a good send-off for Joe Madden. We didn't get a good send-off for Ben Zobris. Pedro Strope pitched, and so I think that was a pretty good send-off, um, just that he was able to get out of that inning, get out of that jam, and, and run off the mound, if that is indeed the last time. Um, but it's not the send-off. It's not the send-off. That, 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 it's not a David Ross-type yeah, send-off. Yeah, that you would like. And I, and I know that you know you can't always have those moments and, and the standing ovation perfectly for everybody, but I, I just think you would have drawn it up a little differently than to have this depressing malaise over the the crowd and and everybody involved when these guys are you know bidding farewell for the final time I think you know they they did a couple things for Gary throughout the game before the game during the game and it just didn't you know you just like almost didn't have the energy for it and it was just sad and and like that one in particular you know uh like you said, Brendan, I mean, the the first time I walked up those steps at Wrigley Field, Gary Pressey was playing the organ. And, and the first time I saw Wrigley Field in person, Gary Pressey was playing the organ. And that has kind of been the soundtrack to uh, a lot of these big moments, a lot of these formative moments for uh, folks as youngish as you and I. And it's just, it, it's going to be sad to not have him there anymore. And it, it's a shame that this is the series where they're all going to go out. But that's just the, the nature of the game. And uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, hard, it's hard to do these podcasts whenever they lose like this. And this is a first for us, just because you and I started this podcast Full time every every you know twice a week in 2017 coming off of a World Series championship. So this is new territory for for us. Yeah. Like we've never had to talk about the team like this in context of closing this chapter of Chicago Cubs baseball, and for this to happen after the 2019 season is the most shocking thing of the entire season. You can be shocked at the underperformances by several players be shocked by the injuries but to lose like this to lose the division by 
a Cardinals team that has been hot, but still not among the best teams in the league right now. They've been good, but not among the best, like the Dodgers and all those teams in the American League, right? That's that's so surprising. And so for the era of this team to be shut out in this fashion is excruciating. Doesn't mean there's going to be no chance next year. This team is too talented. Many of these guys have had seasons that are among the best in their career. Even Anthony Rizzo, consistent once again. Javi Baez, he was playing through injuries, but the majority of the season, he was among the best peripherally. Wilson Contreras, offensively, one of his best seasons. And we can go on and on. Even David Bodie has had a pretty good season for a utility guy. Many guys to be excited about for 2020. But the way that we lose this season, that we come out of this four-game series, it's shocking. Yeah. A week ago, a week ago, Corey, the feeling was completely opposite. There was an optimism. You said this when you were on social media at night with all the other guys. The feeling was a complete opposite feeling, like one of optimism. So it, it turned way too fast for me. And that's that's the worst part about it is when the expectations are so much higher after you know a stretch of good baseball that to be snapped away so fast makes it more difficult to cope with because you never saw it in your mirror. Like this is this is a blind shot. Like of course on Sunday and Saturday you knew this is going to happen probably, but on Friday on Thursday and Friday those losses sucks. And you wake up on Saturday and you're, you you took those as playoff losses. Right. And now now it's even worse. Now now it feels like there's a level of, of uncertainty with this team's future. One that we have not felt since the late 2000s, honestly, 2010, yeah. before Theo came over. And again, not trying to be so, so depressed over here. I'm not, I'm, I feel more I optimistic okay. now. Yeah, I feel more optimistic now than I was on Friday night or even going into Saturday's game because I've had time to reflect on it. But this is the first time over the past decade that the future does look uncertain. And having that uncertainty with Theo Epstein, with this front office, that's unsettling. And I, I don't know how to feel about that. I don't know. Like the thought has run through my mind, like with Theo and this front office, when they when they do end up leaving, like, is that going to be one of celebration in terms of, yes, finally a new front office? Because if that's the case, that's depressing, man. I used to look at this front office as one of innovation, one that of certainty that yeah every year they're going to put the best team on the field and they're going to have a player development machine year in year out just like theo said in the past two years has been anything but that and and that level of uncertainty is so depressing so traumatic to a degree well and, and brendan, i hope after this offseason it, it goes away brendan i i knew we were in trouble and those of you and I, you know, Brendan, you got to forgive me here because it is related to the Cubs. So, okay, I knew we were in trouble in this particular series when Anthony Rizzo came back on Thursday. So I was like standing outside of the gate. I was waiting for my brother, and I hadn't really checked Twitter as much as I normally would. Uh, and so, like, I'm looking at the thing. I get to the gate outside of Wrigley like half an hour before the game or whatever it is. And I'm seeing him running in the field. I remember texting you, Brennan, being like, yo, what's going on right now? Like, <laughs> he's running around. Like, he looks like he's ready to go. What's happening? And then seeing yeah. the official drop from at Cubs that he was in the lineup, like he's playing, he's back. And again, like for the millionth time by this team, thinking, okay, I'm back in. Like, this is the moment. We're going to turn it around. Rizzo's going to hit a leadoff home run. We're just going to go on a charge here. And like, I genuinely believed it. And I knew we were in trouble. When Anthony Rizzo comes back from what a lot of people, most of us thought was at least a regular season ending ankle injury. We all watched him like writhe around in pain the, the, the week before. So we saw that he comes back in just, uh, you know, several days and he walks up to the Undertaker's music. And the Cubs still didn't win that game. That's when I knew we were in trouble. That was such an electric moment, an electric decision, and it didn't work. If that doesn't work, Brendan, then I don't know. Yeah, when when, when that moment was announced, right, I'm sitting at work on Twitter 
like I am every time before a game starts. And I see that message from you, and I just got back to my desk. So I'm like, I'm not, I have zero, zero idea this is even going on. I see that picture from you. I'm like, what the hell is this? Like, am I, am I seeing this right? Is, is that him running around? And then you get that news, and it's like, okay, let's go. It's like Schwarber's coming back to the World Series. Let's go. Let's ride this. Let's live off the storyline. And that was the mantra of every season previous to this one, where you have this one moment, this one identifiable moment in every season that is like a turning point, right? Like 2016, Schwarber comes back. That that was it. In 2015, KB came into his own by hitting that walk-off home run, right? 2017, you got Q. He struck out 12 guys in his major, in his Cubs debut in Baltimore. They went on a run right after that. 2018 was a little bit different, but they had several stretches there. You just you can identify these moments, these like seismic changing season-defining moments. And that would have been it. Imagine if Rizzo came back, Corey, and the Cubs swept the Cardinals. Going into the Pirates series with that type of momentum, with that type of energy, with that type of roster, most importantly being mostly healthy, would have been huge for this team. And I think the tone, of course, would have been drastically different. But that is 2019 summed up right. when you have situations that look to be you know season turning points, performances that seem to be turning points. And for whatever reason, we can't figure it out why. It doesn't work. They they go com- the complete opposite way, and there's no rhyme or reason for it. But they lose these games. These they lose these one run games. They have a run differential 140 runs better than that of Milwaukee, and they're three no four games back of Milwaukee. That it doesn't make sense, and I don't think it will ever make sense. No matter what Theo says at the end of the season, no matter what the players say at the end of the season, there is no rhyme or reason. For this, there's no reason to lose that many games like that. I don't care what the stats say; no stats can quantify that level of certainty with these types of one-run games. It's just how it works. And whatever the solutions are, I hope, Corey, I really, genuinely, wholeheartedly hope that impulsive decisions are not made based on these types of games. I know people are, are wanting that. I know they love Theo when he goes out there and he more or less rips the team. I get it, but I hope that we instead take time. And not, you know, we as fans, but yeah, we as fans, but more, most importantly, the team takes time and diagnoses this team appropriately. Don't fire a hitting coach within a few days. You know, take time to, to really analyze what the hell is going on because it's not just at the major league level. There's deficiencies in the, in the developmental system. No pitching draft picks have made it to the big leagues and have been significant contributors Put your attention there. Put your energy there. Let's try to fix this. Let's let's take a little bit more time. Let's not rip the team to the media, many of whom are playing injured, cortisone shots, taped up ankles, broken thumbs. Take some time. Let's figure this out. Then go into 2020 in the offseason with a with a plan that that at least for fans gives us more optimism. That offseason last year was brutal, Corey. That was brutal. You were waiting every single day to pick up your phone and expect a major change in the roster because right. that was driven by anger, driven by uh, an implosion in that last week of the season. That was no fun. In twenty, Going from 2017 to 2018, it, you, you had ideas of what you wanted to do. You wanted to still address the starting pitching, but more or less, how do you sort out all these young guys playing time for 2018. That was the majority of the conversation. I hope we get back to looking forward and having the optimistic attitude, commending the guys' efforts, commending the guys' energy, and not trying to drastically change things impulsively. That That's that's my hope. Did you know Geico's now offering an extra 15% credit on car and motorcycle policies? That's 15% on top of what Geico could already save you. So what are you waiting for? Your teenager to help around the house? Okay, Mom, I emptied the dishwasher, vacuumed the basement, and folded the sheets out of the dryer. Wait, what? Oh, and next, I'm going to clean Mitten's litter box. Are we in some kind of prank show or something? That's a camera, isn't it? There's never been a better time to switch to GEICO. Save an extra 15% when you switch by October 7th. Limitations apply. Visit GEICO.com for details. Hello. This is your apartment. I need some favors from you. Your cat keeps rubbing against the kitchen island, and I can't return the favor. Can you give her extra pets for me? After that, could you bundle your renters and car insurance with GEICO? We could save money, and it's easy to do online. And one last thing. Could you leave the TV on during the day? I need to catch up on my soaps. GEICO. For bundling made easy, go to GEICO.com today.
I well, yeah, I'm not really in the mood for optimism, but I I do understand where you're coming from. But it's good. It's going to be a wild off season, and we're we're going to start hearing these talks ramp up pretty soon. You know, like obviously you can't do that much while the playoffs are still going on. You know, prior to the, the season actually ending and the free agency period opening and and things like that. But you are going to start to hear about this stuff. You might see some movement immediately. You know, we've already seen San Diego move on from their manager, Andy Green. So this stuff can happen pretty much any time. So I, I think that while a lot of us expected some of those changes in this past offseason, I, I think they're definitely coming now. And I don't know what they're going to be. And I've said that kind of for a long time, that I don't really know what this is going to look like. Because for me... And, and I've tried to be pretty clear about this because, again, I do think that this distinction is very important. Like, seasons like 2018 are going to happen. They happened to the Cubs already in 2015, like where you win a ton of games and people in your division are just better. And there, there's just not that much you can do about it. But if you're able to crank out a 95-win team every year— you're probably going to take it. You wouldn't like them to score one or fewer runs in 40 games or whatever it was for the 2018 Cubs. But you you would take a 95-win team and, and be pretty happy with that number almost every time. And it just didn't work. But this year is a pretty catastrophic failure. And the biggest thing to me is I think that everybody in the organization knows that sometimes you're going to win the division and lose in the first round, or you're going to win the wild card and maybe even win the wild card game, but then you're going to lose in the first round. You're going to get to NLCS and lose. You might get to the World Series and lose, right? It's very difficult to be the last team standing. That's why even as you look around the league right now, there's some real juggernauts in this league, and not one core of players has two rings, right? Like the Astros, they only, all those guys only have one. The Dodgers have zero. The Red Sox, kind of a shifting group, but most of them only have that one. The Cubs, only that one. Like, so it's very difficult to repeat and and be a a dynasty, quote unquote, which a lot of people like to throw the word around. It's, It's very hard, but 2019 is not fitting into that narrative. This is a failure from this group. And I can guarantee you that there are a lot of people involved with the Chicago Cubs who are probably not super thrilled, Brendan, that they are not going to get any playoff money. There is no merch to sell. There is no food to sell throughout the month of October at Wrigley Field. There is nothing. Nada, right? It's over today is the last time anybody's spending any money at Wrigley Field, unless you're doing a tour or something like that, right? And I can promise you that that doesn't sit well with a lot of people that work for this team, that own this team, and I can promise you that this isn't really part of the vision for how this was supposed to go. Playoff losses, seasons where you don't win the World Series, it happens. I don't think anybody's realistically expecting the Cubs to win the World Series every year and getting pissed off when they don't, from a like a business perspective, right? But this is going to piss people off. This is a a failure. You didn't just get beat by good teams in your division. You're getting beat by teams that are barely going to win 90 games, right? And that's not good enough. That's not acceptable. And I think the... I, I think where your worry comes from, Brendan, at least for how this offseason is going to go, is that this is one of those times, and we see this in professional sports all the time, in any professional sport, in any scenario, over whatever year you want to talk about. It happens all the time, where sometimes changes happen because the result just isn't acceptable. And I think that you're going to maybe see that with this team. And I think Joe Madden is a good example of that. Like, we can nitpick, and I'm sure we'll talk about this, but like, we can nitpick. Do you think Joe should be back? Do you think this is his fault? Do you think this is his fault? Do you think this success is because of him? Like, stuff like that. But at the end of the day, we've seen this movie a million times. When a team fails like this, they usually put some of it on the manager and they move on. That's just how it goes. And that doesn't mean it's the right answer. It doesn't mean it's the wrong answer. It doesn't mean that there is a right or wrong answer. It just means that when, when you have an outcome like this that is just not acceptable, you're going to see changes. 
And that's just how it is. And we all just have to be ready for it. Because I think right now, as it stands, if you said, I believe in this group, or I believe in Joe Madden, I believe in this front office, and I asked you, what makes you think it will be different next time? I don't think you'd be able to come up with a good answer. That's how I... And and that's what leads to change. That thought right there, though, Corey, that... That is how I feel, though, about this front office. And preface this. Love Theo. When he was hired by the Cubs, I was ecstatic. Still have confidence to some degree in his ability. But like, what, what is the one thing that lets you believe that in the next two years, you're going to get pitching development through the system? I can't tell you thing, anything. You can point to the pitch lab, sure, But you know what? Every team is doing that. I got off the phone with a coach in in professional baseball a few hours ago, just, you know, talking about Cubs, baseball in general. And you know what he told me, Corey? He told me the Cubs, it's common knowledge that they are behind in pitching development, in the infrastructure. I'm like, what? Like, what are you you talking about? They had this pitch lab in Mesa. I'm I'm giving them examples to counter that. He's like, no, every team has that. I'm like, are you serious right now? He's like, yeah, every team has that. Okay. And so... When you look at around the league, you look at you look at Houston, you look at the Dodgers, Tampa Bay, Oakland. Year in and year out, with the with these teams with money, especially the Los Angeles Dodgers and Houston Astros, they are churning out these players with with frequency, and many of whom we have no idea who they are, not even top prospects. The Cubs, they wanted to do that, they haven't done that. I have no idea why, but at the same time, that is proof and reason for me not to trust that things will be different. Right. And that's what I mean. Like, there was a level of certainty with this front office. You knew every year they're going to be competitive. And from 2014 on, at least in the last few years, you knew you had prospects churning through the system. They had a high likelihood of working out. Unfortunately, Ian Happ has been a suspect. Amora has been a disaster. Sorry, yes, he's been one of the worst players in the league the last three years. Zero no, development come from Amora. He made that huge catch today. Oh uh-huh. no, he dropped the ball that led the Cardinals uh, win that game. Sorry, and it's not and it's not to it's not to poke fun at like Amora's failures. It's not to some degree he's yeah, been failed by. We sure, okay, of course, we can. <laughs> but it's, he's been he's been failed he's been failed to some degree by the infrastructure and the system set up by Theo Epstein and his front office. And it sounds as if I'm blasting Theo Epstein to some, yeah, I mean, I kind of am actually, but that's what I mean. It's like the certainty that you can expect that we're going to be at the top of the innovation, at the top of the next wave of market inefficiencies. You know what? That's not true anymore. Right. That's that's not. When it's an ever evolving process. You, you can't just throw Theo Epstein in there and say, okay, guaranteed we're on. No, it's like they have to be keeping up their end of the bargain and staying at the forefront of this stuff so and it sounds as if they're not Corey. that's the thing is like how yeah what the like what the hell dude i was i was i was hearing about what the houston astros do and i the quick quote to me was everyone in their system is the same it's militaristic what they do everyone i was told has top tier fastball and curveball like spin rate all those different metrics more than anyone else they all do the same damn thing. And the Cubs, there's no identity there. There's zero identity in their developmental system. And Theo and his front office for many years have identified those market inefficiencies, whether through the international draft, whether through at the major league level. But this is a new era, man. Right. The era in which you draft hitter, hitter, hitter in the first round, and you go buy pitching because pitching's at a surplus. That's not the same environment anymore. We're living in an environment where the ball's juice, where pitching is at a scarcity, hitting is at a surplus. You can develop your hitters from guys who are mid-round draft picks by using this data, working with them. This is completely new. And in the back of my mind, is this front office capable of implementing strategies that are going to be better than the other teams? I don't know anymore. Right. And I think the important thing to remember is whether, you know, we, we have all the information on that or whether we're directing the ire at that in particular. I, I think 
the reason that it's it's so important is because I think over the the coming weeks and months you're going to hear a lot of talk in certain directions and it's important to remember as we've been saying for a while now that you can't just lay all of this at one person's feet if they fire Joe Madden tomorrow the team isn't different, right? The the minor league yeah. infrastructure isn't different. Their their position player depth isn't different. Their bullpen isn't better. Like you're just changing one thing. If you trade some of the players, that doesn't change the whole infrastructure. That wouldn't change what Joe Madden does with some of those players. It wouldn't change the scouting and all that other stuff. So it's an organization for a reason. There there are different people that play these different roles, and it's set up that way for a reason. It doesn't just come down to one person. And it ultimately doesn't even just come down to the 25 guys that play on the field because there's a lot that goes into getting them on that field and there's a lot that goes into what they do on that field that isn't just on those guys. So I think it's just important to remember in these coming weeks that everybody has to be accountable. And Theo has said that a lot and it's going to be time for him to show it. And and I'm I, I mean that in in the most kind of sincere way. Like we've already seen Jason McLeod moved around, and I've thrown some names out there, particular front office guys that I don't like the job that they do. And I'm not going to keep dragging the same one person because that just doesn't feel fair. But we need to see some movement on this. We can't just keep shuffling these guys around to different positions, you know, lateral moves in the same organization. I want to see some of these guys fired. I want to see new voices brought in. And if we're going to sit through the Sun Times and the Tribune and all the other garbage, drag some of these players, drag Joe Madden, etc., then I want the front office involved too, because it is a it's a whole organization that is responsible for this. And we we can't just pretend that firing Joe Madden or trading Albert Almora, whatever it is, like that doesn't solve what happened here. The, Not like, at all. And, yeah. and I'm kind of, as we go on, Brendan, right, I'm veering closer to where I need to be for that explicit episode. So I can tell. I can tell. Trust me. I, trust me, guys. It's in there. It's, it's going to come out. Up. But yeah. I can't wait for that, it's, by the way. It's, it's <laughs> one of those things where, again, like you have to like properly contextualize this Like, again, I've said before, I know that there are people out there who are like, look, if the Cubs are competitive, I'm going to take it, right? We saw all those highlights of WGN after the last Cubs WGN broadcast at Wrigley Field, and a lot of those highlights feature really bad teams, like totally not competitive. So I know there are people out there that are like, as long as they're competitive, if they're over 500, if they're in the mix at the end of September, sign me up. And that's totally fine. But we have to remember, like right now, it's September 22nd. When we're recording this, there's six games left. The Cubs have 82 wins. 82. Like, that's not good enough. So the, the suggestion is by no means to blow this whole thing up because that's very dangerous and it's totally not necessary for this team. There's a lot of talent here. There's a lot of good going on in this organization. And we've, we saw some of it even just on Sunday, right? But you need to be better than this. This is an unacceptable level of performance and of of play, and it has been this way pretty much the entire year, right? Like they, for over a hundred games, they have been a mediocre 500 at best baseball team. It's not good enough. And I, I just want to be sure that we're not just throwing you know, this flaming bag of poop on Joe Madden's doorstep and thinking that that's going to solve the issue. And and this right. isn't necessary. This isn't like, don't take that as a, they should keep Joe. They should get rid of Joe. I, I don't even really have an opinion on that, right? I just know how this is going to play out and it's going to involve Joe Madden. That's, I, I'm almost positive of it. So I just want to make sure that we're not just directing it there. We can't just direct it at some of these underperforming players. There, there's a whole infrastructure that every single person, and that includes Theo, not just the people that work below him. Everybody needs to be scrutinized here. And if it's Tom Ricketts doing the scrutinizing, I don't know. But somebody needs to be looking at this and saying, I'm not letting anybody off the hook. We are going to look under every rug. We are going to leave every stone overturned, right? Right or we're not going to leave any stone 
under to I, I, I don't know. You guys know what I mean. The, the stone, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, the stone analogy, right? Right, right, um, right, right, right. That's what you need to do. You need to look at every part of this organization. And like you're saying, Brendan, maybe even talk to people outside the organization and say, what are you guys doing? Or what have you seen in other places? Like every single thing needs to be looked at because this is not acceptable. And like you said, Brendan, this team is not going to all of a sudden say, eh, 2020, we might be all right. Like no way. No way. This team is on a track to being competitive every year. That is the standard that they want to live up to. That is what the owners want. That's what the people who make money off this team want. It's what the fans want. That's what's going to happen. That's going to be the goal. And you got to figure out a way to get there because right now you are looking at a situation where you are going to miss the playoffs for the St. Louis Cardinals and the Milwaukee Brewers who don't even have Christian Yelich. I, I don't think there's any other way to put it than that is totally unacceptable and it needs to be fixed and it needs to be fixed over the course of the next, what is it, four months or so, yeah. right? So you, you yep. better get going on it because you got a lot of work to do. Yeah, and you know, this series in particular too, it, it's depressing as all hell, but at the same time, credit to Anthony Rizzo, man, like, what that guy just did is unfrickin' believable. Like you said, he he was supposed to be out the entire regular season. He was in a walking boot five days ago, and he comes back and in pain with a taped up ankle, plays and bats leadoff. Javi Baez pinch running, pinch hitting, shouldn't have done it. Broken thumb, pinch hitting. These guys are the team leaders, Corey. And the clubhouse culture will get more information as his offseason goes on. But having Javi and Rizzo and KB and those guys, even Wilson Contreras coming back from these injuries pretty fast, performing at a high level, is remarkable. And the clubhouse culture is majorly influenced by Joe Madden. But at the very least, it does give me confidence that it's not broken. That you look at that that mid two thousands or late two thousand ten Red Sox team, right? Broken, broken clubhouse, the whole chicken and beer thing, whatever. I don't think that's the case for this Cubs team. I think Joe Madden does have a huge part of that. At the same time, what Joe Madden and the front office, their collaborative effort to bring out these new coaches. Hasn't worked in a few years. Tommy Hadovy was a good addition. I think we saw good results from Tommy this year. Years past, you wasted developmental years for many guys who needed it. Rob Zestrinzi, for example, needed it. Dwayne Underwood needed it. And they didn't have the infrastructure in place to get them to that next level. And you wasted many guys' careers as a, as a result of that. So it's not like this is all Joe Madden's fault. There, there are some things that we disagree with and we talked about exhaustively this season. But the crux of the issue has been wasted time because they couldn't develop pitchers. They couldn't bring in the appropriate coaches. And that, at the, at the top, goes to Theo Epstein. Yeah. So we'll see, we'll see what well, happens. Like just on that note in particular, yeah. Brendan, you want to know why? And look, full disclosure, we both were into it. So this isn't like revisionist history. I'm not saying this was a bad idea. I was all aboard. But you want to know why you're looking at Craig Kimbrell, who you paid a bunch of money in the middle of the year to come save your bullpen, ruining a bunch of games down the stretch against the St. Louis Cardinals? Because you can't develop pitching. That's why. Yeah. So if, I mean, if you're looking at that of- going like, what's going on here? Why'd they do this? Again, I was all aboard. I'm kind of still all aboard. They needed him. They didn't have a choice. Yeah. Like it was a good call. Like it, just because it didn't work doesn't change that. But the reason you're even in that situation in the first place is because you can't develop your own pitching. And you waited until whenever it was, what was it, June, July, before we started even giving guys like Rowan Wick a legitimate look? July. It was months. Right. Yeah. So that's why, like, it's it's not some random, like, well, Theo felt like signing Craig Kimbrell decision. No, it's they can't develop a bullpen. We all knew the bullpen was going to be a mess. Shocking. The bullpen was a mess, and they went out and tried to fix it, and it didn't work. But it it, it all, 
it all comes full circle at one point, right? Like it's a move that happens months ago that is influenced by actions that are occurring years ago, and it all comes to a head, right, on a Sunday in September at the end of 2019. It's it's years long that leads up to those moments, but that's why. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's it's it boils up to the major league level eventually when you have these systematic flaws deep within your system, right? And even to Joe Madden, we went into 2019 with the mantra that Joe needs to be more hands-on with his players, and Theo wanted that. I went to spring training. I was watching Joe Madden throw batting practice. I was watching Joe Madden feed miniature baseballs, Corey, 30 feet away from the batting cage to work on opportunity hitting or situational hitting to these guys. And that's not who Joe Madden is. Like Theo in his front office, I know it's a collaborative effort, but they they shifted the attention from Joe going more on the field with these guys to try to develop them more. And when you're looking at the manager to do that, you know, somewhere along the lines in double A, triple A, single A, short season, international ball, AFL, whatever, you know, somewhere along the lines, the message did not get across at all. For that to come to the major league level, where you're working on that at the major league level from a, like a mid 60 year old manager, Corey, something went wrong. Right. And it's not the effort. The intention is there. It's not saying, oh, Theo ignored this, blah, blah, blah. The intention is there. When you have millions, dozens, hundreds, billion dollars at stake with this franchise, the intention is there. The execution is not there. And that's where their frustration is at. I love Theo's attitude. I love Joe Madden as a human being. I love all almost every player that has played through this Cubs team over the last five years. The execution has not been there. Why that is, I'm not sure. But when you look at all these issues, it boils up, like you said, over a three-year span, and you change what's worked as well. Like Joe Madden won 97, 103, 92, 95, now maybe 84 games. Corey, what the hell happened? And you do point back towards that off-season urgency mantra as maybe one of the issues what went wrong. It sucks to say that the intention's there, the execution has been progressively worse, and that that level of uncertainty going forward is something that, that keeps me up at night, that makes me question the ability of this front office for years to come. And I hate, I hate that feeling. I just really hate it. But I, I do think it needs to be said and at the forefront of the offseason. Like you said, you can criticize the players, criticize Joe. But if you don't throw the, the front office into that mix, then you're doing a dis, uh, disservice to what the actual issues are. Yeah. And similar to how we always talk about the players, like I'll say this about pretty much everybody in the organization. I don't have a dog in this race, Right. I don't care who runs the team. I don't care who runs the drafting, the scouting. I, I don't have, you know, I, I mean, I, I, I guess I have friends that still work for major league teams, but they're not going to be in the running for this. So, like, I don't care who it is. Like, it just needs to be better than this. The, the only dog that I have in any race is the Chicago Cubs, and I want them to be good, and I want them to be better than this, and I don't want to sit through weekends like this anymore. This sucked putting it pretty bluntly. And you guys know, like, I think a lot of you, I I, I know all of you were sitting there uh, either at the games or on, you know, watching on TV or listening on the radio and suffering through every moment of this. And I I promised a long time ago that we were either going to ride the train to glory together or we were going to occupy the role of the violin player in the Titanic movie where the ship is going down around him and we play on because that is what we signed up to do, and that is what this weekend felt like. It, it really felt like going down with the ship, which I'm proud to do. I just would rather not be doing it, and I've <laughs> done it more often than I guess I would like over the last couple of years. So, um, yeah, it, it's <sighs> going to be an interesting offseason. We're going to have plenty of time to go through all of this and we'll go through it in in more detail I, I don't know exactly how we'll do it I you know admittedly like Brendan and I don't really have a plan for this this is last year was already the earliest we were going to be talking about an off season and this year we're going to get to do it a little earlier so we don't necessarily have a, a plan for how that's going to go maybe we'll do it by 
by group. You know, we could scream for an hour about the front office and then the management and then the team. And, you know, who knows? I I don't know. But we'll figure it out. Um, As we said before, like, fair warning. Like, this is going to get dicey. Like, if you have a favorite player on this team that... I would say isn't named Anthony Rizzo or Javi Baez and probably Chris Bryant, uh, you know, I would strap in for this offseason because I don't know what's going to happen. And I would say nothing is guaranteed as, as far as this team goes, because this is just not good enough. And I don't know how that's going to be taken by ownership and the front office. I, I just can't say. So, I, I would uh, enjoy these last six games because you may not see these guys in a Cubs uniform anymore, and I, I mean that quite literally. So I, I, I think that almost anything is on the table here. So I would be prepared for it mentally, emotionally, as as much as you can. And before, uh, Brendan, are you even going to preview the <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, Brendan, before I let you preview the next series, like I always no, I'm do. Not, I'm not previewing it. Okay. Uh, so before... <laughs> I play the Pirates for three. Yeah, that's it. I'll throw it back to you so that you can sign off as well. But before I let Brendan okay. sign off, I, I, I do want to say, and, and I, I, it's, you know, a little melancholy in here, folks. Uh, it was a rough series. So just, you know, you'll, you'll have to indulge me. But... Uh, though Brendan and I do have a, a, a small, a very relatively small platform, uh, I, I have to put some of these thoughts out there because it, it is a platform indeed. The first of which, as we've already mentioned, uh, I, I, I do want to say thank you and farewell to Gary Pressey. Uh, I, I don't think that I can state enough how subtly, uh, in, in a way, important his organ playing has been. Uh, It is a staple of Wrigley Field. It is one of the most unique things about Wrigley Field, and it is something that is in the background of almost every memory that I have uh, dating back to my first game in 1997. I I remember going to so many games uh, with my family, my mom, my dad, my brother, and Gary Pressey has been there for every single one of them. And so I wish him well in his retirement and thank him for the environment that he has helped to create, which I think is one that is unlike anything else in sports, and that is uh, the the ambiance and atmosphere of Wrigley Field. And just to the few players that we know for sure, the situation is dicey. Uh, Ben Zobris does not have a contract that runs through the end of this year, and we can do this, you know, in a more official capacity if he retires or if he signs with another team, perhaps that'll be a better place. But if today is indeed the last time that I had the pleasure of watching Ben Zobris play at Wrigley Field as a member of the Chicago Cubs, it has been just that, uh, an absolute pleasure. That was a signing that when it happened, I, I don't think that Brendan and I could have been more thrilled that it happened. And I it certainly played out in in quite a good way. Uh, that that's one of those signings that just really works out. Uh, in, in case you forgot, he was the MVP of the World Series in 2016, which the Cubs that did the Cubs win. Won. Yes, they won the World Series. He yep. gets the go-ahead RBI, not technically the game-winning RBI. That would be uh, Miguel Montero, but. I, I, if this was the last time, indeed, that he uh, straps on those PF Flyer cleats and those stirrups, uh, it was a pleasure to have Ben Zobris as Chicago Cub and part of this community and uh, as, a, as a human being and a baseball player. So I, I thank him for that. And uh, lastly uh, would be Pedro Strope. Uh, this is a shame that this is how Strope's Cubs career could end um, if he indeed does not return. Because as we said many times, he is the only reliever in Chicago Cubs history to post uh, five-plus seasons of sub-three ERA baseball, and that is no small feat. And in an era where so many relievers are not consistent and not able to hold on to jobs and just the constant cycle that we see from all teams with, with their relievers, his consistency was remarkable and hugely important to the Chicago Cubs team. I think, obviously, looking back on it, the secondary piece in the Jake Arrieta deal with the Baltimore <laughs> Orioles, uh, but his importance can't be 
overstated and the just level of good human that he is as well and the energy and and happiness that he brought to the ballpark every day uh would be missed if he doesn't come back so to those three people uh from just a a couple of cubs fans uh we we are very grateful to have had you in our lives and and with the chicago cubs for the time that we did and if this is where we part ways we we bid you know we bid you farewell and and all the best of luck but it has been a pleasure uh, to hear Gary's music and to watch Ben and Pedro play for the Chicago Cubs. On the same tone, uh, also WGN's last game broadcasted for the Cubs. Uh, I mean, I moved away from Chicago at a young age. The Cubs, for the majority of my time growing up, I can only watch them on WGN. And now it's kind of a gateway back to Chicago. It kept me still with the team kept me informed, you know, as a 9, 10, 11 year old. And uh, I share the sentiments like many Cubs fans do with with WGN. I know John Ferlis of Cubs Insider who helps run the site. He found the Cubs through WGN living on the West Coast as well. So uh, kind of, I mean, it, it doesn't suck just because the Cubs are still going to be on TV. They're going to make money from their new TV deal and whatnot. But it does. It's kind of sad how everything's coming full circle and ending all at one time. So thank you to WGN. Thank you to Leland Casper. Thank you to Jim Deshays. Of course, many guys before that on WGN as well. It's it, it was very instrumental to my fandom. And I think I was one of the first to get MLB TV when it first came out. I remember watching like really, really low quality Cubs games on my computer. But at school, like I would stay in from lunch at times and watch Cubs games on WGN. I would sneak over to my friend's house after school to turn the Cubs game on WGN because that was the only way I could watch it. So thanks to WGN as well. Um, you know, we do have a three-game series against the Pittsburgh Pirates. And, you know, I'd be remiss not to see it, but we are sponsored by SeatGeek. So if you want to get tickets to that series, if you want to get tickets to even football, the Bears games coming up, you can still use our promo code CUBSRELATED. But SeatGeek, you guys know this, but with millions of live event tickets and a price match guarantee, SeatGeek proves there is a better way. They built the fastest way to find tickets. So you can shop, you can stop searching for the perfect seat and just start enjoying this. SeatGeek is better than the rest because a quick look at the app store shows over 50,000 five-star reviews. It's just a better process. SeatGeek pulls together millions of tickets from all over the web, then erase each deal on a scale of one to 10. Finally, SeatGeek displays them on an easy-to-use interactive seat map. SeatGeek breaks down the details. Green dots mean good deals. Red dots are overpriced deals. I use a SeatGeek every single year. Every year I use SeatGeek to buy my baseball tickets. I still use it to buy basketball tickets, to buy football tickets. I bought it to buy football tickets to the Bears-Rams game in November here in Los Angeles. I still use it by far the fastest way I found a shop for tickets. Five minutes on my app from the time I find tickets to the time I purchase them, send them out to my family and friends. By far the easiest way to shop for tickets. And like I said, of course, best of all, you can use promo code CUBSRELATED for $10 off your first purchase. That's promo code CUBSRELATED for $10 off your first purchase. I know it sucks to hear all this stuff, guys, with, with the Cubs losing, but Corey and I will be with you every single week, no matter what, no matter the Cubs are winning, losing, offseason, trading guys, firing guys, blah, blah, blah. We will be there. I'll let you close it out, Corey, but it's been a fun season. If the Cubs come back and get to the playoffs, then we're talking about a miracle here, but getting ahead of ourselves. Appreciate your guys' listenership. It's been a pleasure this year. Good times, bad times, and we'll look forward to doing this in the offseason. Yeah, I I would echo that sentiment. Uh, Through, you know, as Brendan said, this is a sort of different journey for us now. A season hasn't ended like this while we've been doing this podcast, so uh, I think it's been good to have you guys to talk to in in the good times and you know it's it's been good in in these couple months of the bad times i guess uh i've found it to be good as well so i wish we had a different topic but it is nice to kind of get it all out and and it's uh as nice as ever to know that there are people out there who want to hear it and yeah uh, and one last point before i let you finish up Corey, yes. but uh i need to say it too the fact that your listenership has allowed Corey and I to get more opportunities. Corey and I go on score on the radio, which has been very fun for us, but you know, can't do that without listenership. So over the years, genuinely guys, genuinely appreciate 
interacting with us on Twitter. You know, I'm at Cubs Related. Corey's at CF Cubs Related. On through Cubs Insider, the website as well. The fact that you've interacted with us gave us an opportunity to get you know recognized, whatever, by other people, and to talk about baseball and the Cubs, which is very near and dear to our hearts, with other people on bigger platforms as well. So I just wanted to say thank you to that as well. Yep, absolutely, and uh, I, I think that that is where we will leave you. Like we said, it just uh, didn't have the vibe for the explicit podcast today. The the body is still warm, and just with what's going on with some of these players and, and trying to have a proper send-off for them or at least appreciate that they're you know getting cortisone shots and playing through injuries to try to make this work. It just didn't feel like the day. But when uh, the, the, the body is dead and there's an autopsy to be performed, we'll be ready for you, and I, I promise it'll be good and it'll be worth the wait. So... As always, we thank you guys for listening. Um, try to enjoy this last week in, in whatever way you can because I think we're in for a tumultuous off season and, and one that is going to have a lot of action that hits you right in the gut. So uh, try to, even as the Cubs maybe play out a, a disappointing season, try to at least appreciate seeing some of these guys in a Cubs uniform for what may be the last time. And as we do end up saying goodbye to them, try to remember all that they've contributed. I know that this year is obviously not the way that a lot of them would like to go out, but there there is a good chunk of these guys that have contributed an awful lot to the Cubs' success since 2015 and what all of the fun that it has been to be a fan of this team over the last few years. So uh, try to keep that one in perspective is is all I would suggest. Uh, but Brennan and I will be here with you through the end of the, the season, uh, you know, keeping on that two episode a week schedule, and, and we'll keep on doing that through the off season. There will be plenty to talk about. So as always, we appreciate you guys sticking with us and Ah, I, I never imagined saying this one, but whether we are talking about uh, getting ready for the playoffs or the regular season is where our ride ends. Go Cubs. It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy. It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy. I've been riding a motorcycle for 52 years. I started having back pain that turned into a knee pain. I couldn't even sit on a motorcycle. I was like, oh man, am I going to have to give up riding bikes? Kaiser Permanente, they decided I needed a hip replacement. So I was going to do it through outpatient surgery. <laughs> Panned out great. Recovered overnight. Was home by 11 o'clock the next morning. I'm glad I made the choice for Kaiser Permanente. I'm enjoying life. Every medical case is unique. Kaiser Foundation Health Plan in the Mid-Atlantic States, 2101 East Jefferson Street, Rockville, Maryland, 20852. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.